This is the Dapper Dividends Podcast. This is my friend Ross. You better like him or I'm going to punch all your teeth down your throat. Hey, hey, hey. Be nice, Arnold. These people will give us the thumbs-ups that we deserve. The thumbs-ups? What's up with that talk there, fella? Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Russ, and I will be Russ for the remainder of this right, yeah? Dividend Investing Podcast. Happy hour, half hour episode. (laughs) I meant to say happy half hour. Yeah, it's a happy half hour or so. Might be a little bit quicker. Just got back from my youngest daughter's confirmation. It went a little bit long. A little bit too many hallelujah ahs and all that jazz for me. I'm not very religious. Uh, I grew up quite religious, but that's a different episode for a different day. What we're going to do is talk about dividend investing. I got some news coming up at you. A uh, couple of things I've been doing with the portfolio. The portfolio, Leo, shout out to those of you who've been listening for quite some time. And what else are we going to talk about? The dark side of dividend investing. Oh, I guess it's I guess it's a little bit of the dark side of dividend. It sounds seedy like, <laughs> ooh, what are you investing in? Investing in the Maltrias and them tobacco companies? The Yes, I do. I invest in the tobacco and the wacky tobacco companies would be uh, Altria and Innovative Industrial Properties, ticker IIPR, which looks like there's some news popping off about them I didn't get to. Sorry about that, but they are up in uh, after hours when I'm recording this. And you know what? The Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting is coming up and they're just fantastic. There's a podcast. Oh, by the way, I, I didn't thank you for swinging on by the channel and saying that I really do appreciate you uh, lending me your ear and letting me come in your ear holes for the remainder of this podcast. Hopefully it'll be a pleasurable experience for you. And if not, you can direct all complaints to RustyRam78 on the Twitter machine or Russ at DapperDividends.com. I'm, I'm always open. I have my ears open to the ground and listening for you guys. But yeah, so I've listened again to the 2022 Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting and I just really enjoy Warren and Charlie. If you haven't had the pleasure, you've got to listen to them at least. Just do your favor. Find one of them on YouTube. There's a podcast uh, on that has all of them. I've listened to all of them because I am a lunatic since 1994. I listened to them all in the span of about a month, I would say, and just so many good things. And you'll see on YouTube one or once or twice a week, I'm taking some of my favorite things that were said and just putting them into a really short uh, video on YouTube. And this is honestly going to be more for me and sharing it with everybody else, just so they're all in one nice little space. I'm going to take the next couple years to, like I said, just do one a week. And just, it's really, I'm also cutting it up. <laughs> you know, uh, Warren Buffett does that a lot as he gets older. He'll be talking uh, and he'll think about something. Uh, so when he was doing the... Uh, I was like, you know what I should do? I should take like three or four different times he's done that, put it on a loop, loop it for 10 hours, and put rain behind it and have the relaxing rain of war. I don't know what to call it. Warren Buffett's thinking. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, 
that's the things I think about when I'm sitting at home and the power goes out, which is rare, but never. Shout out George Carlin. I stole that one from the man, the myth, the legend, George Carlin, many, many years ago. Jamming in New York with George Carlin. Wow, that's crazy. I remember listening to it on cassette tape. Fantastic uh, human being. He was not a fan of religion in the church, by the way. Could have, could have some bearing on some of my influence. But either way, Warren Buffett was asked about some of the best ways to prepare for inflation and what you can do. And just love his answer that you need to invest in yourself, your own skills, your own ability. We call it, around these parts here, we call it your own human capital. Meaning, it doesn't matter what the currency is, how much inflation is going on or deflation, but if you have a skill or ability that is in demand, A, you own that. You've invested in something that you now own, and B, it doesn't matter whether we're using dollars, pounds, euro, renminbi. I don't even know what renminbi is. Is that India's currency? No, that's the rupee. The yen is Japan, right? What is that, China? The renminbi? Either way, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Stellar coin, <laughs> Lunatic coin, whatever it is, whatever the currency is from seashells to cigarettes, if you have a skill or ability that is in demand, you will be compensated for it. If you're a doctor and you know how to fix people that fall downstairs and, and cut themselves open and whatever else they're, weird stuff they're doing on their own time that's not against the law with consenting adults, then you're going to be in demand more so than, I don't know, maybe a florist. I, like, I guess florists have their place. Shout out to all, all the florists out there. <laughs> but quite honestly, uh, if you have a skill or ability that's in demand, you're going to pace inflation. And that's what I would suggest for you. And also, one last thought on that is it's going to be really hard to be successful if you don't know how to save. You got to save money. If you can't save money, you're not going to be successful. And I'm about to try to break down to my kids something I wish had been broken down. My grandparents told me to save 10%. Unfortunately, I was young, dumb, and full of vinegar. So I didn't ask them, well, what do you mean? D that's it? Just I just save 10% and I'll be wealthy? Well, you got to invest it. You need to put it into something that can compound. So something that can make that money grow money. Just like in... Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. Fantastic book. You have no excuse not to read it. A, it's about four hours long. B, you can get it for free on the Hoopla or Libby app, which I'll have those linked below. Yeah, I will. I'll do it. I just thought like, ooh, do I want to commit to that? I might forget. Hold on. Let me write that down. Okay, I wrote down Hoopla and Libby, <laughs> The Richest Man in Babylon. Hey, nothing like creating extra work for years, truly. But it's okay. I love you and you love me and we're just, I don't know. I didn't want to steal Barney. That was too easy. My brain was like, dude, you're about to quote Barney. What are you doing? What's, what are you doing with your life? But we didn't do it. So anyways, what were we talking about? Barney and checking out the richest man in Babylon. You need your, <laughs> to see how that goes. My brain, it's like work. I'm, the wheels are smoking. 
You need your money to make money. You need to figure out a way, whether it's in a business or in that you own or you started or in assets or, you know, running gangster tours in Chicago. I don't know, whatever it is. You need money to make money and money needs to grow. And if you don't know how to save, you will not be, I think I said successful. How about wealthy? Because people can be successful, but just, you know, spend all their money. Like we say, if you make a million dollars, and you spend a million and one dollars a year, you are living paycheck to paycheck and you're probably going to be poor. Okay. Okay, USA. That was from Bloodsport. Love Bloodsport. One of my favorite movies from the 90s. Uh, just Jean-Claude, J- JCVD, Jean-Claude Van Damme was in that movie. Bolo Young was the uh, antagonist and I I had said, I can correct myself, I had said Big John Studd was in that movie. It was not. It was uh, Donald Gibbs. Donald Gibbs was the, uh, was the United, the big U.S. guy. And Donald Gibbs was uh, Ogre from, uh, not Animal House, uh, the Revenge of the Nerds. There you go. <laughs> Nerds! That was uh, Donald Gibbs, who, by the way, lives a few towns over from me, from what I understand. Okay, let's take a breath, everybody. I know you don't like it when I sing, but do I care? I don't care. If I want to sing, I'm going to sing. Sing alive. Who likes Morrissey? I like Morrissey. And if you don't like Morrissey, then I don't like you. And I'd like you to shut this podcast off right now. Well, now that you're still here and I know that you're a Morrissey fan. Hi, MetLife on April 25th increased their dividend 4%. This is a stock that I'm considering consolidating into Prudential, but I don't know. I'm thinking about that one still. I own 10 shares in the bridge, and well, we'll get into that in a minute. Well, let's let's take a spinny through the newsy here. MetLife raised their dividend 4%. That's their 11th straight year of raising dividend payouts. Actually, you know what? Let me do this. I was on the wrong page. And I'm not going to edit this out because we want to give you the full effect. Like you're sitting here right in front of me with your elbow on your knee and your chin on your fist saying, Hey, Uncle Russ, tell me all about the dividend news. And I'm going to say, okay, Raytheon on April 24th raised their dividend 7.3%. Raytheon, you know them, aerospace and defense company. They grade, they graded, they grooted. Yes, they grew to their dividend 7.3%, which is their third increase since they merged with United Technologies back in 2020. What else do we have here? Ameriprise, the asset management and custody bank, raised their dividend 8%, which is their 18th annual increase, ticker AMP, 1.79% yield. Moving along, Big Blue, IBM, raised their dividend 0.6%. That's their 28th consecutive annual increase, and they just give these token raises a penny a year. That's what you're going to get for a raise. So you better until something else happens. They're they're paying a uh, 5.23% dividend right now. And now, MetLife, we got ahead of ourselves. 4% dividend raise. That's their 11th straight year. 3.45% dividend yield and did you know they have an a minus rated balance sheet hmm? oh otis hey 
Otis Elevator, ticker O-T-I-S. I love it. Shout out Simply Save Dividends because they say Otis elevates, get it, elevates. See what they did there? Payout by 17%. And it's still only a 1.58% dividend yield currently, but that's solid, man. And that's a solid man? What's a solid man? Is that the opposite of the straw man? So I had thought about investing in Otis and I didn't because of the uh, the little <laughs> the little itty bitty tiny teeny dividend uh, yield. But since going public in 2020, when they were spun out of the merger between Raytheon and United Technologies, right? They spun out Otis and they spun out Carrier, which is the HVAC uh, equipment manufacturer. Uh, so since going public in 2020, Otis has increased their dividend by 70%. And this will tie into another company I'm looking at that I think I may bite the bullet and uh, invest in a little bit tomorrow. Don't let me forget to tell you about them after the, the news bit here. Uh, Washington Trust, ticker W-A-S-H, they have a dividend downgrade from Simply Safe dividends from 76 safe to 60 borderline safe. And that yield is 7.87%. So that is pretty, pretty sky high for a regional bank. And I don't know, I'd have to look into them. I've done no research into them. So, you know, see if it might be right for you, Washington uh, Regional Bank, ticker WHH. <laughs> this is me reading going fast. Washington Trust, ticker should I do that? Maybe I'll be the first uh, ASMR dividend investing channel. How about that? John Hancock Financial Opportunities Fund, I know nothing about, has an almost 10% dividend yield, 9.58 to be exact. That is getting a dividend safety downgrade from 50 borderline to 40 unsafe. I don't know anything about them. Might be a closed-end fund. American Water, ticker AWK, the water utility company has raised their dividend 8%, which is their 15th annual increase, consecutive annual increase, 1.91% dividend yield. Granger is a company I know all about. Oh, you know what I didn't tell you about Otis? If you don't know what I did or in another part of my life, I just turned 45, hard to believe. When I was 18 to 21, I was in the U.S. Navy. And I was aboard the USS John C. Stennis. And what did I do upon <laughs> upon being aboard the USS John C. What are we, Yoda here? I worked on elevators, the G4 division. So shout out to everybody that works on weapons elevators. And when we would be doing maintenance on some of the doors down in the magazines, uh, we would be calling call it skating off. And we would take naps on top of some of the stacks of the 2,000-pound laser-guided bombs. And was I worried? Nah, I wasn't worried because if something crazy happened and one of them detonated, uh, pretty sure I would not feel an, in anything and it would be instantaneous obliteration. So what better way to go out than having every molecule in your body incinerated by an intense ball of explosive explosion we'll just end it there my brain, i was i was on a roll i was like hey this is sounding pretty good and then my brain was like warning warning you're running out of clever things to say stop 
So that's what I did in the Navy and Granger, tying into what I do now. Granger always has the parts you need because they charge an arm and a leg for it. Ticker GWW Granger raised their dividend 8.1%, which is their 50th consecutive annual increase. Welcome, Granger, to the land of the dividend kings. Very nice, Granger. You can join us in the land of the dividend king. I need a name for that guy. I imagine that as like like a snooty guy with a monocle and a three-piece suit. And I'm just too good for you. Judge Smales maybe comes to mind from uh, Caddyshack. I don't know. Anyway, Granger has a 1.07% dividend yield, but a safety score of 99. And wrapping up, a couple more here. Cisco, the food distributor. Cisco, don't call us Cisco Systems. We're not the San Francisco treat. Cisco, they deliver food. Ticker SYY. That's their 54th consecutive annual increase, 2%, 2 2.66% dividend yield currently. And Parker Hannafin, ticker PH. This is another company I know and use, Hydraulic. uh, It's industrial machinery and supplies and components, a.k.a. they have a segment where they make hydraulic hoses and fittings, and that's some of the stuff that I do. 1.83% 1.83% yield, 11% dividend increase, and that's their 67th straight dividend increase. So they've been picking those up. And Energy Transfer raised their dividend 0.82%. And going back to, now they cut their dividend when the pandemic happened, rightfully so. We didn't know it was happening. The, the world was on, you know, ending. But they ended up... Uh, finally starting to raise their dividend again in February of 2022. And they have raised it every single quarter since. And it just looks really interesting from what I can tell because this is their new dividend growth plan and they're making themselves a dividend growth stock. So they are essentially going to try to be the realty income of the oil sector. Yeah, sector. So I should say subsector because there's really 11 sectors, right? But oil is a subsector, oil and gas, I think. And they, so I'm reading from my notes here and trying to make it sound like I'm not. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to read from my notes. So (laughs) they've now installed the dividend growth framework and the yield and growth combination make entertain. Did I say entertainment? (laughs) Their ticker is ET. And I was about to say entertainment tonight. Shout out if you remember John Tesh from Entertainment Tonight and, oh, what was her name? The blonde chick. Anyway, we're not talking about Entertainment Tonight. It's Energy Transfer, but I, I almost can still see the music. I do remember John Tesh, though. He was on there. Uh, <laughs> they plan to push the dividend higher over time, and they're targeting a 3 to 5% annual distribution growth rate. And if they stick to that plan, its dividend will rise every quarter. And the quarter-to-quarter growth rate is not going to be very pronounced, but over time it's going to add up quickly. And I may add a few more shares. Now, here's the thing about energy transfer. I was buying them in the throes of the pandemic. Dude, my average cost on them, so they're currently $12.79, right? My average cost... On those, as I'm looking for it, where are you? Is a hundred and six dollars, hundred ninety-two dollars? You got ripped off, man. 
Now it's six dollars and nineteen cents uh, per share. I have thirty one shares, but my yield on cost nineteen point eighty seven percent, almost twenty percent yield on cost. And this is a bit of my price anchoring. I don't want to buy more because I'm I'll be bringing that up, but. Honestly, I don't think they're going to be getting back down to $6 per share anytime soon. And that's just goes to show you the power of sticking with things and looking for these bubble opportunities or when black swans happen. Uh, I kind of did that with the, the banks, you know, with uh, Toronto Dominion. I think I'm up to 120 shares of TD now. They are going to be fine, I believe, in my opinion that the big banks are the ones that are going to be okay. And they're just probably going to get stronger. Consumer confidence with the deposits are rising at the big banks. So I, I think they're going to be fine. And a lot of it was blow, overblown and just too much panic and every, anything financial. I, it's why I was buying more Prudential at 75, 77, 78 a share. Because everybody was like, here we go. What? Financial? Sell it. I don't even care. Just sell it. If it's financial, sell it. So, you know, we'll see. We've talked about that, but that that's what. And anyway, so as we do the most rough segue ever, uh, I've sold Procter & Gamble and Kimberly Clark in an effort to further consolidate because if I'm being quite honest, I thought they were both overvalued and I think there's other positions I can do better in that are undervalued and will give me a better total return. So Procter & Gamble, love them, still have exposure to them inside of mutual funds in the retirement account. Same for Kimberly Clark and they're going to be fine. Don't get me wrong. I do not dis dislike them, but I think there is a better opportunity for total overall growth, uh, total return and that's kind of what I'm shooting for, what I'm starting to think about as I'm evolving as a dividend investor on my journey. And I want companies I understand a lot better. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's that's a really lazy thing to say right there. Do you know what I'm saying? Thought I'd call myself out on it before you did. See, I beat you to it. <laughs> beat you to it. But the point being... <laughs> As I'm goofing off too much here. I must be loopy. It's late. Anyways, so the point being that I want to understand the companies I invest in much better. I want to understand their outlook, their growth. I'm putting a video out that because of tonight's uh, confirmation, everything's going to, it was supposed to be Friday morning, but it'll be Saturday morning now. Is that, I understand, I, I, showing you three companies that I think are undervalued in the month of May and which I'm buying. Two of them I have been buying pretty significantly, but the third one I'm still looking at, it's Imbecta, ticker EMBC. And they were spun out of Becton Dixon on April 1st of 2022. They've been standalone for just over a year. They are one of the world, if not the world's, I haven't verified that, but we'll say one. they're one of the world's largest pure play diabetes uh, companies that they make the syringes, the pen needles, the patch pumps, the, uh, the, the software, the apps, things like that to help people manage and get their insulin to deal with diabetes. 
But there's a growth story there. A, they're just standing on their own. So I don't think they've been fully recognized yet. I think they're undervalued. They have um, really high return on invested capital, which is very nice. Balance sheet could be a little bit better. Looks like they have some debt that they took with them from the separation from Becton Dixon. But ultimately, the CDC, from the research I did, thinks that there are about 415 million people worldwide with diabetes. That should be over 500 million, unfortunately, by 20, 2040. And uh, Embecta, which the Beck is part of Becton, Becton Dixon, so it's paying homage to where they came from, which they're over a 100-year-old company, 1924. And they have 30 million people around the world using their products. So that means that they only have a share of that market of about 7%. So they have plenty of room to grow and keep growing. So paying a small dividend, just over 1%, and they've only made three dividend payments so far. So I'm looking to probably start a position and as I learn about them more and then buy on dips, uh, hopefully, that I think... It's a company I understand better. And there's so many companies that I own, like, check this out, McDonald's. I don't know the CEO's name. That's crazy. I haven't read an annual report for McDonald's probably in over two years. It's been a long time. And I just, we need to know these companies better. And if you don't, ETF it. Because if you don't understand what could be going on with a company and something bad happens, that's on you. So we should be understanding our companies better. And that's my whole thing with selling, just taking profit and trying to go like Procter & Gamble. I, I want to buy more into Target and I'm hoping for a pullback here because my problems are I sell and then we don't get a pullback. But either way, so we're almost out of time here and I'm going to finally get to the really quick, the dark side of dividend investing. Casey, Caitlin Kate, as on the YouTube live streams, is a community member and somebody that I email and we talk about ideas and she kind of sticks it to me because I'm a through and through dividend investor. But she finds these undervalued opportunities. They're few and far between. And one that she had been banging the table for was Harrow Health ticker HROW. Now they're an ophthalmological focused pharmaceutical company, very small but growing. And when she first brought it to my attention, they were at $8 in change per share. Now they're pushing $30 per share. And the whole reason I didn't, even though I listened to their earnings call, uh, Mark Baum, the founder and CEO, he's a fan and a student of Buffett and Munger and really, really interesting company led by a really interesting CEO. But honestly, I was like, yeah, but they don't pay a dividend. And this has been the dark side of dividend investing for me is turning that blind eye. Dude, I'm like the eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Anything that has a dividend, I'm focused on. Like that's where my focus is. My gaze falls upon. But my gaze? The gaze of my eye falls upon dividend companies. And it's like, if if they don't pay a dividend, I'm like, eh, not really interested because my whole goal is to have dividend income without ever having to sell shares or sell the, the principal and just receive the interest. So this one's been tricky. And there's a link in the description below that Casey, 
uh, on dividend tracker you can just put in share prices and and whatever and it'll track it so she created this portfolio to show that on the day about a month ago when she created it that AT&T my cost basis and the amount of shares I have and then if I were to have sold that on that day and put that amount into Hero Health what it would be so my 380 shares of AT&T would have equated to 326 shares of Hero Health and so far not looking not looking good peeps uh, Hero Health is up $622 or about 8.3% since this little experiment was started. And my AT&T shares down 28% or $2,595. And that looks awful. But hey, 6.3% yield, right? And I'm going to be getting about $422 in annual dividends. But this is going to be a learning lesson for me. And my thought, because of what AT&T said, Pascal DeRoche said that quarter one is the high water mark for their capital expenditures. So the free cash flow is going to look a little bit lower in the first quarter. And that was true for 2022. And then throughout the year, every consecutive quarter, it just kept growing their free cash flow balance. And I'm hoping the same thing happens this year. And people, investors will start recognizing that and start buying AT&T and running them up. And I will look at exiting them over $20 a share. That's what I had said. And she said, well, why would you wait? Because she believes that Hero Health is going to the $60, $70 range in the future. So could be, we'll see. That's an experiment below. That's my dark side of dividend investing that I'm struggling with is I'm at a point where even Amazon, I, I think you guys remember that I was looking at Amazon buying a chunk of them when it was in the, right, the low 90s, but I didn't do it. I'm like, they don't pay a dividend. Google, I'm like, yeah, they don't pay a dividend. It's so hard for me though. But we'll see. I'm growing. I'm evolving. I'm baby stepping. I'm getting better. I'm never probably, well, what is that? I'm never probably, <laughs> double speak, going to renounce dividend investing. Um, it's just, I'm like the Mandalorian. This is the way. This is what I'm comfortable with. It's what helps me sleep well at night. I love those dividend checks rolling in because it's not just money, but it's time. I want to optimize for freedom. I have plans in work, in the works to use that dividend income in the very near future to pay for things, pay for our expenses. But you know what? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But until then, hey, I thank you so very much for tuning in once again. Swinging on by the channel. Let me come in your ear holes. I do appreciate that. I'm flattered. And I hope that you will give me a thumbs up rating or whatever it is, wherever you're listening to this this thing we do here and talk about. And again, Russ at DapperDividends.com. Hit me up on Twitter at RustyRam78. And the last word to the wise is invest in yourself. Make yourself more marketable. You will earn more money and you can invest and bring in more dividends for you, yourself, your kith, and your kin. So I've been Russ and I guess I'll stop being Russ for all intents. Hey, what did I tell you about the camping? Why is camping great? It's intense. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry. Okay, take a pause.
I thanked the audience and they're gonna come back. They all love and they love and adore you for the entertainment and value you provide. So with that being said, I will be back next week. So long, everybody. Thank you.